All right, so let's talk about that fight Saturday. Teofimo Lopez versus Vasily Lomachenko. What are your thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> well, Lomachenko, like, he really had him, you know, in, you in the know? third round. <laughs> uh, great analysis. Great analysis. <laughs> and then I don't know where it went, it went wrong for him, you know, but, like, who won anyway? I don't know. Yeah. Do you actually know what I'm talking about? I mean, I'm sure it's a boxing match, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, it is. See, I'm not completely ignorant about sports. <laughs> Civics, y'all. A political conversation for all of us. I voted on Monday. Um, I don't think you voted yet, right? I haven't voted yet, no. But I finally have my ballot completely filled out. Like, I know who I'm going to vote for. You know, I'm, I'm ready to go. All right. Well, let's let's just dive right in because there's a lot to talk about. Like, because we talked about the presidential race so far, we talked about the amendments, but let's start with like the senator, the, sen the senatorial race. We have an, a great interview with John Paul Bourgeois, who's um, number two on the ballot, so people will get to hear about him. So we don't we don't necessarily mean need to say anything about him, unless you just want to say something about like like your takeaways after our interview. Well, I thought he, what I liked most about him is that he was, he had a flexible type of ideology. It was more, I got the sense that he was more for what worked as opposed to what, um, you know, what this group believed in, you know, he, he specifically said he was not party affiliated. So, you know, whatever party would be for this or whatever, you know, quote unquote ideology would be for this set of policies. He wasn't necessarily with that. He was more for what he felt worked. And mm -hmm. I, I appreciated that. Yeah, I got that sense from him too. Um, and I was really impressed because like, I respectfully disagreed with something he said. Um, and he was like, you know, that's a really good point, you know? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I can, I can dig somebody who like disagrees with me, but like, you know, it's like, well, I hadn't thought of it that way, you know, right. or, and at least open, like you're, like you always like to say, you know, open to sort of like an engage, like an engagement with I other ideas and perspectives. Right. Yeah. So I, yeah, I think I appreciate that. Um, well, so barrel, uh, barrel Bilio is the number one on right above John Paul, uh, bourgeois. And I got to say, uh, I did not and would never vote for him because I saw that he was pro-life and pro-gun. So I don't know what your thoughts are, if you have any thoughts about Beryl Bilio. Yeah, I think I looked him up and I think I saw that as well and was like, nope, pass. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, then, I mean, honestly, any Republican or any conservative-leaning candidate, I'm, I'm probably not voting for. Same here. So, I mean... Like if I had, if I had to choose between two Republicans or two conservative uh, candidates, like I would do the investigative work to kind of figure out which one to vote for or whether or not I needed to abstain, which is always an option. Um, but I, uh, but I don't feel the need to actually research Republicans or conservative candidates if I have other options. Right. Yeah. And I, and I was going to say, I, I think both of us, I, I don't think either of us researched any Republicans, right? So we don't really need to talk about them on this Well, let's just say, like, I, I marked Bill Cassidy off, like, the first thing I did. I think that was, like, the first thing I marked off on my ballot, where I was just, like, I put an X in that little box next to his name and then scratched through his name. Cause there's just like no way I was voting for Bill Cassidy. Yeah. So that's, that's probably all we need to say about that. <laughs> so what about Adrian Perkins? Um, well you just went skipping. Um, so are you including like Reno Jean Dario, uh, of the no party as part of, um, 
You just, oh, like, did I look? I don't even know if I looked that person up now that I think about it because I think my thought process was all right, this is the Senate. The, you know, we need a Democratic controlled Senate. Who's mm-hmm. the most likely de- Democrat to win? I mean, obviously a Republican is going to win the seat, but who's the most likely Democrat to challenge? We'll have to see. We'll have to see. I have some, I have some faith. We, we voted in a democratic governor again. So I have a little bit of faith in, in Louisiana that even in like, I don't think people are happy with Bill Cassidy, like even Republicans, but all that's to say, okay. So Reno Jean Dare, the third and Derek champ Edwards, I, I did not vote for them, but I wrote interesting next to both of their names. And I can't remember why I thought they were interesting, but you should probably look at them, not because to vote for them, but just to like know more about them as like if they ever run for anything else, because, um, they're, they're interesting possibilities if they decide to run for anything else. And I, I started kind of looking at the candidates from that kind of point of view. Like, yeah, I kind of know who I'm going to vote for. It's not, it's going to be a Democrat. It's not going to be an other or an independent. Um, but I want to kind of see like what some of these other folks are about. Zan John believes that COVID is, COVID is a hoax. So I like marked him off. Um, David Drew Knight is a progressive. So, and then I wrote, uh, interesting next to MV Vinny Mendoza as well, who's an independent. So kind of keep your eye on them. I mean, look into them in case they ever run and run for anything else. Also with Jamar Montgomery, he also seemed like an interesting, um, candidate. I marked off Dustin Murphy. Didn't look at him at all because he's a Republican. And now we're at Adrian Perkins. (laughs) (laughs) You think he has the best chance, right? Well, from what I'm reading, yeah, he, uh, he seems to have the best chance. Um, the times Picayune has said, so are the advocate has said so. So, um, so yeah, I looked at him and he has a pretty progressive, um, platform. He, well, he's the mayor of Shreveport currently. Mm-hmm. Um, he got them the, uh, that he got them enrolled in that experiment for, um, um, universal basic income. Yes. It's, yeah. It's like, so there's a universal basic income experiment that like three cities are doing. And so he's even more progressive than you realize because, um, Forbes, this is, uh, Forbes reported this week that Shreveport is one of 11 U.S. cities that will take part in a pilot program for UBI. The program is being run by a group called Mayors for Guaranteed Income, which is headed up by 29 year old mayor of Stockton, California, Michael Tubbs. And so, um, um, Adrian Perkins is a, one of those mayors, one of those mayors for a guaranteed income. Hmm. And and got Shreveport citizens uh, enrolled in this pilot program. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. Oh yeah, see, yeah, I'm looking at the uh, DSA mm-hmm. New Orleans guide, mm-hmm. and yeah, it's talking. It says it here. Perkins also entered Shreveport into a privately funded UBI program. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Cool. Cool. He's endorsed by Obama, um, and also he was uh, on Local 23 and WWNO's. Um, uh, voting guides, uh, local 23 endorsed him, I believe, but WWNO didn't endorse anyone, but they, they listed some candidates first and they gave them a little bit more like, you know, space, um, which to me kind of reads as an endorsement. Like if you're not going to really talk, like they didn't talk about John Paul bourgeois, like hardly at all. Like they included him like at the very bottom as like, sort of like, we're just going to mention his name. <laughs> yeah. Um, so to me, like, you know, that seems like they are somewhat endorsing the, the candidates that they're kind of giving the most like space to, you know? Mm-hmm. And from a policy perspective, uh, where, uh, Perkins got me was the infrastructure. He's, he's pro infrastructure. 
And this country sorely needs infrastructure upgraded. I believe we got like a D or a D minus rating or something like that for okay. advanced countries in terms of our infrastructure. So Obama talked about it when he first ran and I was for it. President Trump talked about it when he ran and I'm for it. This guy, you know, I'm, I'm for anybody that's going to be building up our infrastructure. I mean, not, none of them have done it. Obviously, Obama didn't do it. Trump hasn't done it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that we, we need it. This country sorely, desperately needs an upgrade to our national infrastructure. Well, you know, you're, you're totally right about that. And I even think Adrian Perkins was actually like endorsed by like a, um, a pro choice, uh, group that I get newsletters from. So he's a, he's a pretty interesting candidate and you're right. I think that everyone kind of agrees that he's got the best chance, but he's actually the last one that entered that race. Um, and then Antoine Pierce is also really interesting. He got Andrew Yang's endorsement, which is interesting to me because Adrian Perkins, I think the reason why Adrian Perkins is part of that UBI experiment. So it's interesting to me that, um, Andrew Yang would endorse Antoine Pierce and not Adrian Perkins, but maybe it was because Adrian Perkins came into the race so late. Maybe Andrew Yang had already endorsed Antoine Pierce. Well, Antoine Pierce also supports the universal basic income, but mm-hmm. I guess you're right. Cause Adrian Pierce, uh, Adrian Perkins actually enrolled his city in the UBI. So, yeah. you know, yeah, that's it is interesting. That... The fact that they have the same initials and they're both black men, like, yeah. I think that's going <laughs> to confuse a lot of people. Adrian Perkins and Antoine Pierce are two different people, but they also share a lot of the same, um, goals and, and platform. Antoine, Antoine Pierce supports Medicare for all. Uh, he supports the Green New Deal and legal med- medical and recreational marijuana. Mm-hmm. So I'm all I'm all for that. He supports expungement yeah, for nonviolent drug offenders. I'm with that. Mm-hmm. He also was in, endorsed by Indivisible Nola um, as well as Andrew Yang. So. He has some pretty good endorsements. Um, Dang, I probably should have voted for this dude, huh? I've actually I voted for Antoine Pierce. I was going to vote for Adrian Perkins, but then I thought Adrian. Well, maybe I should have voted for Adrian Perkins because he does have the best chance in this race. And and you yeah, know, that's that's what I'm thinking. Huh. That was the tough. Know. That was a toughie for me. Um, but I, here's what I figured. I figured that this is probably the race that's the most likely to go to a runoff. I think in December. Mm-hmm. Um, because Adrian Perkins like is actually like a really good candidate and has all of these great endorsements. And I think that there are a lot of people in Louisiana. I mean, we'll find out, I mean, we'll find out on December, on November, on November 4th. Um, but I think there's a lot of people like who aren't as happy to be affiliated with one of the two parties as they used to be, including me and including Republicans. So I think that like the fact that we're a red state is probably not as much of an assumption, like an easy assumption to make as it might have it might have been in the past. I hope. I don't know. Five thirty eight tends to disagree. They say this seat has a ninety seven percent chance of going to a Republican. So yeah, yeah we'll see. <laughs> that we'll seems see pretty happens. red to me. I mean, yeah, I mean, and you're probably right. They're probably right. My heart's probably just going to be broken anew, like with this hope that I have in my heart. But this is the race that I think I'm most hoping will not go as predicted. I'm most hoping that we just get, you know, Bill Cassidy out of there. Partly because like, um, I want to, I would love for us to send a message about what they're doing on the confirmation hearing, uh, judiciary, 
Judiciary Confirmation uh, Committee, you know, like this, you know, they, 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 they went to her vote even without any Democrats present. I don't know if you saw that. And that actually breaks with um, Lindsey Graham. So Lindsey Graham oh, yeah, stated Lindsey. like a policy of um, not letting, like not taking a vote without um, the minority, like without presence of minority um, senators, right? Uh-huh. And so what they did was is they boycotted the vote, the, the Democrats, um, to sort of make him prove that he's a hypocrite. And um, and he went ahead and, and put it to a vote and she passed. So she's out of the, you know, the Judiciary Committee. And I'm stumbling around on this because, like, I have read about it, but, like, the official processes and terms are, like, not, like, top of my brain right now. Um, but so you know, I, one of my least favorite parts of watching the hearings, the, the hearing sessions that I did was watching Senator John Kennedy, um, talk to, uh, Amy Coney Barrett. And yes, I know that Kennedy and Cassie are not the same person, but I mean, with white guys, how can you really tell them apart? I, <laughs> you know, like, especially old white guys who were Republicans. I mean, they well, just Bill Cassidy has a real creepy look to him. Like he used to kill his patients when, <laughs> when he was a doctor, like intentionally murdered them. That's he what he looks like, like to me. What you're saying is he looks like that. Not that he did. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. No, don't, he just don't looks like you just here. look at his face and you think he might kill me if I go to him for, remember, <laughs> for help. Do you remember? how hard you laughed when I told you that I had heard that people refer to Senator John Kennedy as foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to get that on the record. I wanted to get a recording of you laughing. Um, I don't know why that's so funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I know I can't quite figure out why it's so apt and why it's so funny, but it is really funny. So yes, I know that John Kennedy is not Bill Cassidy and Bill Cassidy is not up for reelection. And this is really petty of me, but like, if Bill Cassie was doing a job that I approved of, I wouldn't be this petty. But the fact that I do not approve of the job that he's doing and we have two Republican senators in Louisiana, I think I think we can, like, mix it up a little bit, Louisiana. Like, we don't need two Republican senators. Why not have one that's more progressive and just kind of see how it goes? Like, you might be surprised that it won't be as bad as you think. Right. Like, let's. Go find like the non-Republican candidate that bothers you the least and vote for that person. <laughs> and let's just see how this goes. Like, let's mix things up around here. You know, like <laughs> we're not happy with the way that our, you know, way, the way that things have gone for Louisiana. So let's try something different. Um, now it sounds like I'm campaigning for myself. Uh, I think that listener who, who wrote in to us that time, <laughs> he's laughing at you right now. Probably, probably. Silly. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. I mean, you know, I think I would get his vote <laughs> if I were running. Who knows? All right, so let's move on to Melinda Mary Pierce. Uh, Price, sorry. Did you? I know the Pierce was right above Price. So now it's like Perkins Pierce Price. Oh my God. Okay. But she is an unhoused woman who is, has no chance of winning the Senate, the Senate race, but is running. I read in order to raise awareness about, um, the issue of homelessness. What does, what does that mean? She's an unhoused. She's does that mean she's, oh, like nice she's homeless. She's homeless. Um, it's a nice way of saying that she's homeless on purpose. Is she like purposefully? homeless i don't i mean i don't know if anybody is purposefully homeless i mean well, i, I mean wonder... she could be making a point like if she has enough wherewithal and resources yeah. to run for senate you know then i'm thinking maybe this is a choice and she's trying to make a point 
She could be. I mean, I guess, and I guess I should take back what I just said. There might be people who are like, you know, living outside or living, living rough on purpose or, you know, just because they, they don't agree with capitalism. I think there are protest homeless folks, but I mean, I did wonder how she, like, cause don't you have, it's not like $600 or something like, like a, like, don't you have to like pay? Yeah, You have to pay. Yeah. You have to pay to run. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know what the exact fee is, but there's definitely a fee. And then, you know, whatever paperwork you have to fill out and, and all of that, you know, it's not just throwing your name into the hat, you know? So if she has enough, you know, I don't know, resources or um, cognition to be able to run for I Senate. Can, I think you can actually have that fee waived, but there's like a process for it or something, if I remember correctly. I'm not entirely sure. She's from Luling. Um Let's see. She's an unhoused person running to where running to raise awareness of the unhoused. She has no media presence. That's from the DSA guide. That's where I saw it. Moving on to Aaron Sigler, who is pro gun and anti healthcare, and I marked him off quick. Which <laughs> I'm likely to do with libertarians as well. Um, but did you find out more about Aaron Sigler? Is there anything else we need to talk about with Aaron Sigler? No, I think you covered it. <laughs> Second generation libertarian. That's that's enough for me. And you know what? I'm actually socially libertarian. I'm, uh, I'm actually I'm socially libertarian, but but <laughs> economically, I just I I can't with them. You know, I'm I'm very anti whatever they are. What <laughs> you know, libertarian economically. You know, let's look this up because I am anti libertarian, and I'm like I couldn't actually tell you what they are if I. It's a political philosophy and movement that upholds liberty as a core principle. Libertarians seek to maximize autonomy and political freedom, emphasizing free association, freedom of choice, individualism, and voluntary association. They, they share a skepticism of a, this is from the Wikipedia page for libertarianism. They share a skepticism of authority and state power, but libertarians diverge on the scope of their opposition to existing economic and political systems. Mm-hmm. So, so a libertarian socially is going to say, you know, gay marriage should be legal because whose business is it of mine to tell somebody else who they're supposed to love and be in a relationship with? Mm-hmm. They're going to say abortions are legal because who is it? <laughs> who am I to tell you what to do with your body? Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to do it. And, and all of that I'm with. Yeah. But they're but, not also like in favor of taxes. Yeah, that's that's where me and them fall out because they they feel very strongly in the free market and capitalism, and a lot of them are close to unfettered capitalism. I don't know that I've heard anybody say they they are a proponent of unfettered capitalism, but some of them seem to get very close to it, and I'm completely against that. I think a lot of people believe that capitalism is a fetter to other, to like government, to like big government. And like, they believe that it's something that keeps other things in check. And I'm like, I don't think that capitalism is what you think it is. Like, I don't think it can operate that way. Like it, it, if it, if it's unfettered itself or if it's used as like a, a check on government, it ends up being this like uncontrollable beast, you know? Right. Right. That's, uh, I mean, I think I've said this before on a podcast that I think it's like a rabid dog, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's vicious and it'll keep people out your yard, but you got to <laughs> keep it in check or else it's going to destroy you too. You Put know? your capitalism on a leash, people. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> a socialist a leash. A leash. <laughs> yeah. Put your capitalism on a socialist, socialist leash. 
I don't know why socialist leash is so hard. Tongue to say. twister. <laughs> uh-huh. So Peter Winstrup is the last campaign for Senate, or sorry, the last candidate for Senate. Senate. And I got a campaign email from him, and I wrote interesting next to him, but like that's all I have on my on my notes. What do you got? Um, I haven't really looked into him, but apparently he's a math teacher. Um, he's for strengthening affirmative action in government contracts and expanding anti-discrimination enforcement. Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to add staff at the Equal Opportunity and uh, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. Um, he's for the baby bond idea. Um, you know, he has some fairly progressive ideas. It looks like. In his campaign email, he says, I'm a teacher running a grassroots campaign to unseat a Republican being bankrolled by a network of mega donors and corporate special interests. Um, so he's like, he's specifically targeting Bill Cassidy, um, which I can appreciate. Hmm. Like at the top of the message, he says, my campaign to beat Republican Senator Bill Cassidy and flip the Senate is up against our final FC, you know, like, so he's, he's specifically got Bill Cassidy in his tar. It looks like that's the reason why he ran was to, un- to, to like participate in unseating Bill Cassidy. Yeah. Well, um, I think that's why they're all running. huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, but like they, they don't all like boldly state it, you know? Yeah. So let's, let's move on to the second congressional district, right? Is that on your ballot? Yeah, the House of Representatives. Yeah, I assumed that it that was yeah. also on. I think our ballot's primarily the same except for school board. Um, Probably. So, okay. So, Belden Nooney Man Batiste, right? Yeah, I've seen this dude on a ballot a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I voted for him one time just cause like, why not? <laughs> his name, he, his name is Noonie man. So, you know, <laughs> I knew a couple of the Batiste family, right? So <laughs> I knew a couple Noonies <laughs> in my day. So it's like, why not? <laughs> um, yeah, I, he, he's run a bunch. He's got name recognition, I think for a lot of voters. Um, because of that, because of the Baptiste, because he's been on the ballot before a bunch, he's progressive. Um, when I was looking into him, uh, he, uh, let's see. Uh, Ballotpedia doesn't have a whole lot about him. Um, he advocates for progressive prison reform, increasing mm-hmm. healthcare coverage and the right of abortion. Mm-hmm. So I'm definitely in favor of that. Um, and, um, let's see, I marked off, I marked off Glenn, uh, Adrian Harris because he didn't have a platform that I saw. I was kind of using your metric. Um, and I marked off David M. Schilling and Sheldon C. Vincent senior because they're Republicans. Um, so we, we probably don't need to talk more about them. um, but then Colby James is a veteran and former felon who was uh, kind of endorsed by the DSA. I don't think they're outright endorsing people, but his platform, he's an independent. His platform is very progressive um, and like anti-incarceration, as you might imagine, as a former felon. Wait, who, wait, who which person is this? Colby James. He's a former felon? Mm-hmm. Oh, he's I didn't a- see that. 
He's a former felon. I think that's the place where I saw that um, was the DSA guide. Um, let's see. Let's find it. Um, do you want to talk about Cedric Richmond while I'm looking up Colby James again? Yeah, so Cedric Richmond is the incumbent. Um, he, he's been in Congress since 2011. Um, actually, he went to school with uh, Jason Williams. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, Cedric Richmond, ran like right out of law school and won like a state Senate seat. And then he's been a politician ever since. But uh, he's the he's the leader of the Black Caucus uh, from 2016 to 2018. He's on the Judiciary Committee, serves on the Homeland Security Committee as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he's considered to be a centrist Democrat. Um, Let's see. So his his big issues are voting rights, the economy, and education. So he wants to expand voter access and prevent interference in elections. He wants to give local governments the resources they need and require campaigns to report if a foreign power tries to contact them. Um, he supports a $15 minimum wage, and he wants to eliminate lower wages for tipped workers. Mm-hmm. He wants to pass the Paycheck Fairness Act to help pay to help pay equity. Yeah, I mean, he's he's done a pretty good job. Um, you know, I he's been my representative for a while. Um, I voted for him. You know, I have voted for him in the past. I actually didn't vote for him this time. Um, and I think part of it is, is I think he's getting to be a little bit, I'm worried he's getting a little bit complacent. Um, and he, uh, I think he's, I think he's might be, be- he might be becoming a little bit too politician-y. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's always been politician-y. I think he's always been a politician. Yeah. I mean, he's always been a politician. Um, but at the same time, like now that he's been in this position for a while, Part of me is just kind of like, I don't know, I guess I like just kind of wanted to nudge him a little bit. I just kind of wanted to be like, don't, don't get complacent, you know? <laughs> so you voted for Noonie Man? No, I thought about it. I thought about voting for Noonie Man. I voted for Colby James, the veteran and former felon. That's um, actually who I was thinking about voting for. Yeah. Um, so here's from the NOLA.com guide. I, I'm trying to find where I saw that he was a former felon and, um, it says, okay, so he's a 28-year-old disabled U.S. Army veteran. This is from the NOLA.com guide. An independent who lives in New Orleans and is running as a youth candidate and new face on the ballot. And, a, and then skip forward, he has a felony burglary conviction and said his own experience struggling to make ends meet after leaving the military gives him a keen insight to understand the people. He's also proposed a sweeping overhaul of the U.S. education system modeled on Finland. And he's that baby bonds uh, aspect that you talked about. And according to the DSA guide, he thinks we need more programs to start pe- support people financially, an example being baby bonds. Um, and then we should have a guaranteed employment and Medicare for all. Um, and he believes every full-time employee deserves eight weeks of paid vacation. He supports postal banking, um, a reverse of frivolous tax expenditures, and examination of the private military expen- ex- uh, expenditures. Mm-hmm. He believes we must invest in affordable housing. He has a proposed, he has proposed the idea of racial wealth divide audit, a committee on reparations and a transitional education system. I'm a big proponent of reparations. Um, and anybody that like, 
<laughs> as you might imagine, <laughs> anybody that that's talking about like audits and like how like we can study like economically how feasible reparations is, I think because I think that's the, the biggest like people who don't support reparations always talk about like can we afford it, you know that kind of thing, and like and I think that we can and should, and I think that you know it's about like where our money is already going versus what values we want to support financially with our tax well, money. I think first we need to figure out what form reparations is going to take, mm-hmm. you know, and to do that, I think we need to study the effects of slavery and Jim Crow mm-hmm. and, you know, to see where we, you know, where we need to address what, what issues we need to address. And then do we need you know, actual cash dollars? Do we need programs? Do we need both? Do we need, you know, like what, how are we going to address, you know, or redress, you know, these, these types of issues, you know? So I I don't know. I think, you know, I don't know if we, you know, the money to me is like a premature type of thing at this point. We, We need to study, you know, have studies done to see, you know, what needs to be done, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, no, agreed. And I think that's why I love the way that it's it's written here. He proposed the idea of a racial wealth divide audit, a committee on reparations and transitional mm-hmm. education system. Right. So, you know, it's not just like, oh, pay us money, which like I, I would be in favor of, but I'll but take it. It, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's because basically, if we start a universal basic income as reparations for for folks of color, like I would, I would totally endorse it starting with them. Which is one reason why, like, I wasn't, I was jealous, but I wasn't too mad that it started in Shreveport. You know, <laughs> that they got the pilot program. Yeah. Um, although we're, you know, or at least we have been a black city as well. Um, but um, like, I wouldn't mind it starting there because that's where it needs to start. You know what I mean? Like that's where universal basic income needs to start is where in, in the gig economy, especially. And a lot of times the people that are in the gig economy or on hourly, low hourly wages are, are folks of color who, you know, coincidentally quotation sarcasm, haven't been afforded the same educational possibilities in order to get out of that sort of poverty cycle. Yeah. Um, so I voted for Colby James, and I, I re- voted. Mm-hmm. No, I was gonna say the reason I'm I'm thinking I might vote for Cedric Richmond is seniority, like that matters in Congress, you know. Yeah. Um, and he he hasn't been like terrible or anything like that, you know. So I'm thinking yeah, I'm. He's been terrible, and he was actually endorsed by one of the pro uh, choice outfits that I get messaging from, and so like in this case, I potentially voted against my own like interests um because i didn't vote for the person who was actually because colby james hasn't expressed like a pro-choice position mm. you know yeah but oh sorry i cut you off i didn't no no that. no you good that's, that's it <laughs> um yeah but you know what's in, i think what i really love about this is i just love our ballot is insane but i just love the fact that we have choices they're not always great choices but the fact that like there are like really interesting candidates. There's three black men and for this, uh, for this represent, uh, this congressional seat that would be interesting possibilities. You know, um, one has already fulfilled the position for a while and two of them like might, you know, like have a lot of really good ideas potentially about like how we can shake things up and how we can sort of revise our democracy. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I love that. I love having choices. Like I love trying to be like, do I go with Cedric Richmond or do I go with Colby James? Or <laughs> Nooney Man. I mean, Nooney Man. I can't forget Nooney Man. You know, like, um, yeah. I, love, I love having choices. And see, this is why I like ranked choice voting because I'd rather be able to, you know, vote for the, for all of these candidates, but just rank them, you know, well, first I'm going to go with, you know, X person, then I'm going to go with Y person and then, you know, and then see where, where everything, um, shakes out. Yeah, totally. I think, I think in the Senate race and and this congressional seat, those are like the two places where ranked choice voting like would have been so helpful this time around because we have more than one good candidate, Mm -hmm. you know? Or, or potentially good candidate. Um, all right. So let's move on to um, the Supreme Court 7th, uh, seventh Court District Associate Justice race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was looking into this and honestly, I didn't find anything that stood out that separated any of the candidates from the other. I, I didn't find anything where I was like, Oh, this person over that person. Mm -hmm. But, um, my cousin who is an attorney, Mm -hmm. um, she's voting for Piper Griffin. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to vote for Piper Griffin. You know, and that's, that's kind of what I've always done with judges as as well. And I did, I did this year as well. Like I have a couple of friends who are lawyers and and I always reach out to them and I'm like, do you know any of the judges in in the races this year? Tell me who they are as judges and people. You know, I also want to know, like, are they awful people? Like, are they, are they, you know, horrible bosses, you know, <laughs> to their, you know, or are they mean, you know, to the judges that, I mean, the lawyers that come before them, um, because some of them are. And, um, so I got endorsements, quotation marks, um, personal endorsements from, uh, my lawyer friends. And, um, my lawyer friends said that basically Piper Griffin and Terry Love are both pretty good and both great. And, and, um, depending on who it was that that spoke, Mm -hmm. um, Piper Griffin is endorsed by invisible NOLA and by local 23, uh, the labor union and Terry Love is, uh, the first she, she supported like a, a domestic violence bill. The first one in new Orleans, I think. And Sandra Jenkins, Sandra Cabrina Jenkins teaches at Xavier. So those are all some like, those are the notes that I wrote down on here when I was trying to make my decision. Um, I think I ended up voting for Piper Griffin, if I remember correctly. Hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, that's that. All right. So if you're not in New Orleans, then you could probably turn us off right now. We're going to go into some New Orleans specific candidates who are running on, on November's ballot. However, if you're just curious about like what our logic was and how to vote and who to vote for, you might find this interesting, even if you're not in New Orleans. So judge civil district court division E, what are your thoughts? So this is the, this is the thing with with the civil court, like what makes a good civil judge, you know, what policies, like what type of, what, what, what should we be looking for to even determine what makes a good judge? You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't even know. So I'm, I'm just going with my cousin who practices in, in civil court and yeah. she says, go with this person. So. Yeah. It's, I mean, I think that's why this is the, the, this can be really hard for the general public. I think most people probably do just ask any friends that they have that are lawyers. Mm-hmm. And like in the past, 
I will admit, I have definitely voted for women over men, especially if they were both Democrats. Yeah, I kind of do too. All right, so Flip the Bench is something that's happening in New Orleans in the criminal district courts. And usually judges tend to come from the prosecutor's office without any, uh, they usually don't have any, um, I won't say they don't have empathy for the defendant, but they've never defended or usually have never defended someone. So they don't have the experience of what a defendant is going through in the, the uh, circumstances and situations um, they, they might be facing. So flip the bench is about putting public defenders on the bench, which would give the, you know, the person in charge of the courtroom, uh, um, a, a perspective coming from the defendant's point of view. And in, in this country, it's supposed to be that you're innocent until proven guilty. But our court system doesn't often work that way. It's, it's often that um, where, you know, if you if you're accused, we assume you're guilty and you have to prove that you're not. But that's not the way it's supposed to work. And the idea is that a public defender might approach uh, a trial, criminal trial that way, where the defendant is not um, is innocent until he is proven guilty or she is proven guilty. Mm. Yeah. And so like, it was really interesting because you, you sent the flip the bench um, info to me. And so I wrote them, you know, whenever they made a recommendation and they had seven uh, folks on their, on their sort of flyer Mm -hmm. and the seven folks on their flyer, unless you have, do you have it pulled up in front of you? Um, I don't, but I know, I think uh, Graham Bosworth is one, Amy Harris is one. Derwin Button. Derwin Button. Button. Yeah. Uh, Nandi Campbell. Mm-hmm. And who else? Steve Singer. So, yeah, Singer. Steve Singer. And then, uh, is that seven? One of the things that um, appealed to me is that all of these flip the bench candidates are talking about doing away with with paid bail. Mm-hmm. All right. So what, what's what's happening is people who are impoverished are oftentimes unable to make bail, and they just languish in jail for extended periods of time while the prosecutor is trying to decide what to do with them. Mm-hmm. Well, these are innocent people. Like, why are they spending months in jail? when they are innocent, you know, until proven guilty. So that, that whole thing doesn't make a lot of sense to me. And it clearly doesn't make sense to the, these flip the bench candidates. So they're in favor of trying to do away with that or, 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 or if required, make the bail as low as possible. Well, I you know it, it agreed. And, and I, that was an important metric for me when looking at these folks and DSA um, was helpful in that. I have like a flyer here from, you know, American trail. I have like this stack of flyers next to me that I've been getting the last couple of days. I kind of wish I could just be like, I voted already. Stop. Um, to me that like these flyers are just kind of a complete waste of money. They really are. I throw them away as soon as they come in. (laughs) Yeah. um, That's what I was saying in the, in the, um, the postal, uh, uh, episode. episode. Yeah. Yeah. I get trash. I get nothing but, you know, political endorsements and like credit card offers. I'm going to like buy you a subscription to Jacobin magazine so you have something to look forward to in the mail. Junk mail. (laughs) 
Um, you need like, you need to like subscribe to some magazines or something. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like these, these flyers are complete waste of money, but I don't think we're the target audience for them. I think they're mostly for older uh, voters because when I was at my early voting location, there was a family behind me and they're not much older than me. Uh, well, I mean, well, I mean, it was hard to tell how old they were, but they were probably in their sixties. Um, so that's like 20 years difference. And they were holding like the, um, like something that they got in the mail, like an endorsement guide, um, that they got. And it was, I believe it was the mayor's one, but it didn't look the exact same as the one that I have. So, but it was something from the mayor and, um, a couple other folks. Well, I think what we probably should get on the record is let's talk about the district attorney, criminal district court, um, race where your friend, uh, Jason Williams is, is running. Friend in quotes. <laughs> you say whatever you're comfortable saying. <laughs> uh, he was my co he was my moot coat mo no, no, no. he was my moot coat dang. He was my moot, moot court, court. <laughs> my moot court coach when I was in, in law school. Uh, you know, he was a good coach. He was a cool dude. So, you know, I'm I'm that's not the only reason I'm gonna vote for him. Uh, he seems to be a progressive type of guy. Um, have you looked at Arthur Hunter? Yeah, I've, I've looked at Arthur Hunter as well. And I'm, I'm not opposed to Arthur Hunter, but you know, I don't, I don't know him. Like I actually know Jason Williams. Like I, you know, I, I would see Jason Williams out about town and be like, Hey, what's up? He'd be like, Hey, what's up? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's going to make him a better judge. Well, what it, might do, what, it, what it might do is that if I ever get into any trouble, <laughs> I can call the DA and be like, Hey, listen, <laughs> this is on the record. Jody. This, like, this part is on the record. Um, don't get in any trouble and don't count on Jason Williams. If you do, uh, is, is, is my thinking. Um, but, uh, Arthur Hunter is endorsed by Inv indivisible Nola, but so is Jason Williams. Um, they split their endorsement, but, um, one of my friends who gave me a personal endorsement, said that Arthur Hunter is cool. So I'm not cool. Like he didn't, that's not like they said, but just says like, you know, that's a good one to go for. Uh, oh, oh, wait, wait, maybe one other race. We have to at least say something. How, how do you research who you're going to vote for, for your school board? Well, I looked on this DSA, um, website as well, but uh, uh, that's another one where I'm not exactly sure what would make a good school board, um, person. What are, what are they called? School board representative i don't know <laughs> what do you call somebody on a school board <laughs> school board board person board person <laughs> <laughs> right so um so yeah i'm not sure because i hear a lot of bad things about charter schools and like one of the candidates i think is pro charter but the other one is trying to get it back to uh, public school to city control public school but mm -hmm. city-run public school wasn't that great in New Orleans when I was growing up. I don't know. I'm not, well, you I'm not a great school though. I mean, you had great teachers. I mean, yes, I suppose I did. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, are you, you're not in district three, right? So we're not looking at the same board, uh, board candidates, I think. Um, I'm in district. So, so which way do you think you're going to go? Like, between um, the charter and public school candidates? I'm probably going to go with the public school candidate because I can't imagine that all of one thing is, is great. You know what I mean? Char all charter. Like, like I think right now we're all charter. Mm -hmm. 
which I feel like maybe there's some uh, choice limitation there. You know, maybe with um, some public schools back under city control, maybe those schools would be able to get more resources, more funding, and then be better public schools. You know, I don't know. I I I don't know. Um, this one was a hard one for me um, because I don't really know enough about education to to really make an informed decision. Mm-hmm. But I think I'm I think I'm going to go with the public school candidate over the charter candidate just so, to bring some balance back to to schooling. So if anybody's listening to this in New Orleans or elsewhere who has any suggestions or ideas about how we can be better educated about how to vote for a school board, um I would be really curious to see like are there you know like what are the metrics like we should be looking for, you know, in that kind of race. Um, and you know, we didn't talk about the, the municipal and traffic court division, a, uh, race, Megan Garvey and Paul Sens. Do you know what you're going to do there? I'm voting for Megan Garvey. I saw her on, I can't remember the Facebook page, but it was a page that had a number of the judges do like it wasn't really a debate it was more like a forum i guess they were an, an, they were answering questions mm-hmm. and um megan garvey i think she was the only one that showed up in between the two of them mm-hmm. and the thing she was saying um i don't remember exactly what she was saying but none of them were offensive to me none of them were like uh, i can't vote for her type of things you know so Mm-hmm. If she she decided to show up, so I'm voting for her. And actually, I think let me let me scroll back up to her thing. Was because she I, endorsed by Local 23, Flip the Bench, my friend, and Indiv- Indivisible Nola? And I have a neighbor who's got a Megan Garvey sign up <laughs> that I see every day when I came come home. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, this is something that um. Uh, DSA Nola said that there are 737,169 open cases in municipal court, mm-hmm. twice the number of people living in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the odds that I have a warrant out is pretty high, <laughs> and that makes me scared. <laughs> you know, and it's that's actually so, like, I, I would say, even though we just said that those flyers are useless. I actually really like hers. Um, it says vote, vote Meg from Muni, right? Cause municipal is kind of hard to say. So she made it kind of cute and, and easy. It's a nice slogan, Meg from Muni. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a veteran public servant, according to her flyer and registered Democrat ready to serve every New Orleanian by ensuring that justice, not money guides court decisions. She believes all people, regardless of race or income, deserve a fair hearing and wants people to get out of the system as quickly as possible. And she also on the back included that fact that you just read that there are 740,000 open municipal court cases. And the majority of these cases are too old to prosecute. That's not justice. She'll clean up the shameful backlog and get people on their feet and back to work. Yeah. And there, uh, I think it's, uh, let me see, where is that part? They, oh, let me see. Cops still arrest people on these ancient warrants, including a 28 year old jailed for a truancy case that should have been closed when he presented the court with his diploma 10 years ago. Oh like, my what? God. What? <laughs> yeah. That's that scary like to me. Like we're so backwards sometimes. Say something funny, Jody, so we can have like an outro. 
chummy chuckle or was that like uh, a- i don't know it was supposed to, i don't know it was spontaneous you, know? hey, <laughs> you, you, you put me on a spot you get what you get you know I, say, I get what i get right when i'm like say something funny i mean i think that like all things considered that was the uh, not the the craziest thing you could have said 